But, but it's been a great journey. But I never, ever dreamed that I'd be with Teen Challenge. I met David Wilkerson several times over the years. How, how many? Let me ask this question first. How many of you have never heard tell a Teen Challenge? You don't know one lick about what we do. Just wave at me if you don't know. Oh, there's a few of you. All right. If what? Let me just back it up. If if you were to look up Teen Challenge, probably in the yellow pages, it would say that we are a drug and alcohol rehabilitation organization. And, and that would be true. And people come to us, they come into the program, they're broken by and addicted by drugs and alcohol, and, and they come to us in the worst conditions you've ever seen in your life. And, um, but being that what the world thinks that we are uh, is one thing, but the reality of who we really are is that we are a Jesus-loving, devil-hating, soul-winning, discipleship-making organization. That's really what we are. Amen? And that works. Hallelujah. And so when God comes into the picture, you know, we, we say kind of in generalities we are a faith-based ministry. Really what we are is a totally Christ-centered ministry because faith-based can mean anything you want to believe. But this is not about anything. It's about Him. And when people come into our organization, many have never heard the gospel ever. Some were brought up in church and got off the rails and went off into their own thing and trying to find out their own destiny of life and what have you. And sometimes we look at some of ourselves and we think, well, my kid's not serving God. I want to tell you something. God has no grandchildren. You can bring them up in church. You can pabble them. Feed them, you can stake, feed them, and all the rest of it. But until your child receives Christ for themselves, it's not your problem. It becomes that you've done your best, you've seeded, you've done everything you can do. And if you've got a kid that's not serving the Lord, do not beat yourself up. Jesus isn't done yet. My mother knows that. And my mother, who just turned 97, prays for me every day. She does. She's got a better memory than I have. And someone, my wife and I were at a preacher's conference one time, and I've been in ministry now for 45 years, so you know that I'm really old. <laughs> and, uh, but a lady stood up and she said about to us pastors and and, uh, and she was talking about bring up your family in in the church and as pastors and all the rest of it. And she said, it's not safe to brag on your kids until they're at least on the old age pension. <laughs> and I've surpassed that, and it's still not safe. Mom, don't quit praying. And, so, <laughs> and I'll be 70 in March. I'm having the time of my life. My family down east, I come from PEI. <clears throat> my wife came out of the backwoods of Barrie. <clears throat> And when she came the first time to Prince Edward Island and saw fish on the plate, she didn't realize that it wasn't always in a box. And it was great. <laughs> and to be cutting the picture of a cod out of the face of a box and throwing it in the pan just doesn't work out. It, no. <laughs> but it's good that God is who He is, that we are who we are, and when we meet Him, it makes for a good trip. Amen? all the way into His presence. And uh, I, I'm going to stop yakking here because I can do that all day long. And um, one of the things that we do at Teen Challenge is that we absolutely go after your wallet. Big time hard. 
But you received one of these, I think, in your bulletin today. And this is the most important document that we possess, I think, within the ministry. Because it simply says in the front, change your life. And the way that's done, you know, Mr. Trudeau, he does not want to support us. You may have figured that out by now. Because we don't agree with his ideology of how the drug system works in this country. You see, to legalize marijuana, some for some it's not a big, big deal. But the truth and the reality is it's not protecting our youth one bit. They're all under the illusion that this thing is safe to do, go out and have a big party, smoke up, but they don't understand when they're starting now at 11, 10, 11, 12 years of age that this thing is causing huge harm to their brain, literally, functionally. And now there's a rising happening within the community globally now, but it started in Europe before they figured out what was going on because 30-some years ago, the Netherlands, they, they went the route that we've just gone. And now it's coming back to bite them because they are having this eruption of schizophrenia happening in the lives of people in their late 30s and early 40s and they couldn't figure what's wrong we've got all this medical stuff going on we don't know what's happening and so the government assigned some scientists to start looking into is this environmental is it water is it food what is this thing and they drilled it right back to the early use of marijuana oh what a party and now they're paying for it while people are finding great injury in their lives. This day, today, today, 11 people will die in Canada. Tomorrow, there will be 11 people that will die. The next day, there will be 77 people that will die this week. 335 this month. 4,015 by the end of the year. And that's the low side of the spectrum. We just know that's what's going to happen. These are not in some other part of the world. This is not people who are living in a box or under a bridge someplace in downtown Toronto. The reality is it's happening all across our country. And these are our people. And folks, the reality is without God and without them finding help, then fentanyl and other things are just absolutely annihilating Precious, precious lives. We see people coming into our program from the medical profession. They're coming in from the business profession, engineers, police officers. Because they found out that what they've gotten themselves into is a lie, a deception, and it doesn't help, but it steals, kills, and destroys because it's of the devil. Can I be strong enough to say that? It's of the devil. And so we have people that are in our program right across this country in six centers that we have, and you'll see it on the screen in a moment. And um, the only way we survive is through people like yourself. And it's $40 a month to sponsor, to sponsor what we call a student. We don't call them clients, they're students. They're learning a whole lifestyle all over. And you're going to hear from two for sure and maybe two others that are with us today. And so on the back page of this document... It tells you how you can change a life. And if you'd like to become a sponsor today, you can do it by credit card or debit or whatever way you want to do it, on a blank check or what have you. I would just simply say thank you for even considering it. You may not be able to do it, 
But you can pray for us, so please keep that in mind on a daily basis to pray for Teen Challenge. And if you do become a sponsor today, however, we'll give you a free copy of the Cross and the Switchblade book. And uh, you can share that with other people. It tells how the ministry started and the stories are powerful that are in that book. Anyway, enough said. I want to take you for just three minutes across the country. And while they're getting ready to do that, I just want to say that we are opening three more Teen Challenge Centers. A women's center in Newfoundland, which will open in January, by the end of this month. And we're opening another men's center. We, in fact, we have the hammers are flying right now in Renfrew. There was a property that was given to us a number of years ago. We haven't been able to do anything with it because we just did not have the funds. And at this same time last year, a man came to my door t- three days before Christmas, didn't know he was coming, and he came into the house, asked me a bunch of questions about Teen Challenge, what our projects were, shared with him about this need in Renfrew because Ottawa is awash in drugs. The whole valley is a mess. And let me tell you, so is Halliburton, just in case you didn't know that. And so we've got this thing going on in our country, folks. It's killing us, it's destroying us, and it's making us like a bunch of zombies, and China loves it. Because they're the main suppliers of fentanyl that's killing our people in Canada and America. That's where it's coming from. And so all these things that are going on, Christ is the answer to it all. And so we have that men's center. So this guy talks about this stuff to me, took me and our CEO to a, to a meeting with some people. We didn't ask for anything. He just said, you know, they asked us what it was going to cost to renovate the buildings around the property to open up a center. And it was $250,000 for that. And then $50,000 to get a vehicle and get some a person on site to start doing whatever needed to be done. And so we left. And... Um, that was the end of the story as far as I was concerned. And a week and a half later, this guy shows up at my doorstep again. He said, I had another meeting with these people. Here, put that toward Teen Challenge. And as he left, and like any self-respecting preacher, you open the envelope real quick. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, so, and I looked inside, pulled a check out. $300,000. Amen? $300,000. So that's getting us off the ground. And another women's center we've just finished building in Hague, Saskatchewan. And think about this. God is in the miracle business because we built a building for a new center. It cost $5 million. One businessman got so involved in this thing, such a passion for the broken and for those who are under the influence of drugs and all the rest of it, took this thing on himself. Out of his company raised about a million dollars. And by the time the thing was all over, this guy and one of our graduates raised the five million dollars for that building. It is paid for. It will open in March. Amen. And not only that, because the province is small and we didn't want to get into fundraising and all that stuff. So it's going to cost us another $2 million just to run for the next two years. Not only did they get the five, they got the extra two. Hallelujah! <laughs> and that's what's happening. People are just getting excited by watching God do miracles in our day and age. Amen? Be a soul winner. Just be a soul winner and make more room. Anyway, I'm going to sit down, shut up. I want you to watch this video, and then Raylene is going to come. And I find it hard to shut up, so I've got to do that now. 
So I'll fix this up for Raylene as she comes. In a minute, I go to the gym every week, but you never know. There we are. Guys, run the video. Thank you. Teen Challenge Canada is a faith-based residential program that helps adult men and women overcome drug and alcohol addictions. Each person comes with a story. Some dull their pain with marijuana. Others abuse prescription pills, alcohol, cocaine, methamphetamines, or crack. All have lost control of their lives. They're business owners, skilled tradesmen, computer programmers, general laborers, and hairdressers. Because of their addictions, their lives are littered with destruction, broken marriages, failed education, lost jobs, defaulted mortgages, and children taken away. To meet the growing need for addiction treatment in Canada, Teen Challenge operates six sites across the country for adults over the age of 18. Through basic biblical principles, students in our program learn that they are valued and can contribute to society. Best of all, they discover that God gives them hope, freedom, and a tomorrow. Teen Challenge founder David Wilkerson taught these same principles. He started the organization in 1958 in New York City. His pioneering work resulted in more than 1,100 centers in 92 countries. In our holistic program, men and women get healthy in body, mind, and spirit as they eat nutritious food, exercise regularly, and connect with God. With help from our staff and certified addictions counselors, students identify root issues, bullying, dysfunctional families, divorce, death of a loved one, rejection, abandonment, and abuse. These and other deep hurts drive people to drugs and alcohol for relief. Preparing to live productively, they learn to balance a checkbook, use a computer, and speak publicly. Students are guided to become better parents and spouses. Through work duty and internships, valuable job skills are gained. Those who have not completed high school are assisted to get their GED. You can help even more men and women start a new life through Teen Challenge. Take a tour at one of our six centers to find out more about our ministry. Volunteer. You can mentor a man or a woman or share a skill with our students. Celebrate with us at a student graduation ceremony. Attend a fundraiser. Choose from a golf classic, a freedom ride at silent auction, a fundraising banquet, or our annual Christmas concert. Invite the Teen Challenge Choir to perform at your church or community group. Pray. Your ongoing prayers enable our students to overcome challenges. Sponsor a student for just $40 a month. Your financial support and notes of encouragement keep our students motivated to stay in the program. Consider a one-time gift toward our operating expenses or a special project. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of those struggling with addictions. And trust me, it's not all about jumping up and down. It's a tough program, but it works, and we're thankful for that. Would you make Raylene welcome as she comes to share her story, please? Good morning. My name is Raylene. I was born in Toronto. I was raised by a mother who is a very hardworking, God-loving high achiever. When I was six, 
I had a fire accident that left me with third-degree burns on my right arm and back as well as skin graft scars on my thighs. And I tell you this because those scars had me believing lies about myself, especially as a teenager. When I was in high school, I never did the party drink weekend thing till you're sick, but I did smoke quite a bit of marijuana. I never acted upon boy crushes because I thought they wouldn't see past the scars. At 17, I had a job that allowed for us to party before, during, and after work. While working at this job, I met a man who was 17 years older than me who told me I was beautiful and wasn't grossed out by the scars, and all of a sudden I had this newfound sense of confidence. I'd always wondered why my mother allowed the relationship, and I realized deep down she, like me, thought no one would ever see past the scars, so here's somebody. Have at her. That same man is the father of my first two children. Around the time my firstborn was three, I was introduced to free-based cocaine, now called crack. I used it until my son asked me for a baby sister, and even though we weren't a couple and he lived with somebody else, I became pregnant on purpose. When our daughter was about five months old, I started using again, but not for long, as their father had an inkling I was up to no good and told me that if he found out I was getting high, he was going to take those kids. So in April 1992, I stopped using cocaine, and I didn't touch it for 18 years. During those 18 years, I raised my son and daughter, went to college as a mature student, got a diploma in accounting, and upon graduation, I went on a well-deserved vacation with my mom and aunt to Barbados. And there, I met a man from Minnesota. A year after that, I gave birth to our daughter, and a year after that, I moved to Minnesota, and we married in, in 2000. This relationship, like the first, became emotionally dysfunctional and toxic. I ended up compromising myself in terms of how I parented my kids. On many occasions, I chose to protect his sense of manhood over the emotional well-being of my children and myself. It pains my heart to think of the hurt and confusion they endured because I was trying to be loved. The best thing about living in Minnesota was my three kids and I coming to the Lord. I attended and was very plugged in serving on the praise and worship team at Destiny Christian Church. And on New Year's Eve 2005, I was water baptized. My husband resented my involvement and my faithful tithing. In June 2009, I received a call telling me to come to Toronto immediately as my mother was not well. Thanks to my church, my kids and I were able to fly there that same day. It had been about a year since I last saw her. On her last night, I lay beside her, excuse me, beside her with praise and worship in her ears. And in the morning, it was the nurse and I that witnessed my mom's last breath. As hard as it was to be there, I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. I think she purposely gave me that last night with her and the music, as I used to call her every Sunday after church and sing her all the music, all the songs we'd sing and retell the message. She always said she knew I would find my way to the Lord in my own timing. I was so disappointed and hurt because my husband had felt it too inconvenient to attend her funeral. Circumstances of my mother's estate meant somebody had to live in her house, so I moved my kids and I back to Toronto. At the time, I didn't realize that leaving him also meant leaving my church and all that I'd come to know and love in Minnesota. They say three of the most emotionally disruptive events in one's life are death, divorce, and moving. I walked into them all at once and unintentionally abandoned my relationship with God at the same time. All the things I endured living with my husband I got through because of my church family and God. Once moving back to Toronto, I didn't try very hard to get connected to a church, which left me wide open for the enemy. My mom's passing was the beginning of a downward spiral that lasted almost nine years. At first, every time I closed my eyes, all I could see was 
that last breath leaving her chest. So I started to smoke a bit of pot to help fall asleep. An opportunity arose for me to get my hands on that old poison I had once loved. And in my, my, thought, in my mind, I thought, I quit it once before. I can do it again. Lie. I quit the very first time in 92 because of the fear of losing my kids. This time, my youngest moved back to Minnesota to live with church friends, and I still didn't quit. For the very first time in my life, I was living alone. Me and the devil became best friends. My lows got lower and lower. The absolute lowest moment came when I took several hundred dollars from my grandson's Ninja Turtle piggy bank. I was so disgusted with myself, yet because I was so sick in addiction, I still spent it on drugs. Romans 7:15 and 17 say, For I don't understand what I am doing, for I do not do what I want. Instead, I do what I hate. But now it is no longer me doing it, but sin that lives in me. My daughter found out before I could put it back. That was the absolute final dagger to her precious heart. I was completely cut off. She thought and was correct that my love for her and her son should supersede that of the drug. The isolation drove me deeper. I knew sometimes when I woke from sleeping that I was not, it wasn't due to me waking me up on my own free will. I'd always known that if I called out to Jesus with all my heart and asked for help or healing, he would oblige. I just didn't do it. I've attended two other short-term treatment programs, which did not fulfill their intended purpose. I had heard of Teen Challenge while living in Minnesota. I Googled it, downloaded the forms. I had a childhood friend help me fill them out in a McDonald's and had the community to work at my doctor's office fax them right away because left on, my own, left on my own, I'm pretty sure the forms to this day would not have been sent. Some were shocked when I said I was going for a year. They were pleased it was to a faith-based program as they knew I missed being plugged in. The reasons usually given to a person to consider the program were the same reasons I was giving my friends and family to convince them this was the right decision. I told them, what's a year compared to the rest of my life? I need to know God's purpose for the next 50 years of my life. So when Huda, the intake coordinator, called me and told told me I'd been accepted, I cried on my belly for a solid 45 minutes. I cried more that day when I did, than I did when I watched my mom take her last breath. I cried because the person I'd become was finally going to be laid to rest. I cried because the shame of my wrongdoings was overwhelmingly disgusting because I had created so much chaos in my using. I cried because only hours before receiving the call, I looked to the sky and I cried out to God at the top of my voice with all my heart to get me out of here. And I cried because he answered my plea. And I cried because I was scared. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who used to be far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So on May 22nd, 2018, this number keeps going up, but it's about 40 pounds ago now, and several gray hairs ago, I arrived at Teen Challenge. I'm constantly being reminded of God's grace, acceptance, mercy, and forgiveness. Over the last few years, I kept wondering why I was so stuck. What did I lose that made me keep going lower and lower? Since arriving at Teen Challenge, I realized the answer is love. I lost my mom's love, my husband's love, the love of my church, and I stopped loving myself. I felt so empty, I tried to fill it with drugs, which could never in a million years take the place of any of that love. 1 John 4.16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. I completely lost sight of the fact that the one love I always had and will never lose is the love from God. So no more shall I ever feel unloved. Thank you.
when um, Teen Challenge was formed, it was kind of a street-level teenage uh, ministry. Then laws change in Canada, so it's now it's from 18 years of age and up. The program, like I said earlier, is not easy, but it's right. And wherever Jesus shows up and wherever he's glorified, something has to give. Amen? Well, one precious life that's here, she's not very tall on the outside, but she is long in spirit on the inside. And Jenna, would you come? Would you make her welcome, please? Can I lower it? Yeah. It's a little tall. Thanks. I'm good? Yeah, it's good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having us today. Hi, my name is Jenna. I was bound by the chains of addiction, but by the grace of God, I've been set free. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Psalm 30, verse 3. I had a stable childhood, a relatively normal one. My home consisted of my parents, my younger sister, and myself. We were happy. My father owned businesses across Canada, which caused him to travel a lot. My mom wanted to better our lives and went to night school to receive a college diploma. My dad missed things I wished he hadn't, but when he wasn't traveling, he was the father figure my sister and I needed in our lives. After 10 years in this stable environment, my parents put our home up for sale. This caused a lot of heartache, but didn't compare to what would happen next. My parents finally told us they were no longer going to be married, and this shattered the world as I knew it. Within the next few months, a lot of change happened. My father moved back to Calgary, where the rest of our family lived, and the three of us girls moved to Oakville. This change began to stir up anger and chaos within myself. I blamed my mother for everything and resented her, but with the help of our Heavenly Father, I have forgiven her. The adjustment was very difficult. I started a new school and was dealing with feelings of insecurity, fear, loneliness, and resentment. I couldn't figure out who I was and began to hang out with the rebellious crowd. This began my drifting from the path God created for me to walk, to beginning to walk along the path of rebellion, worldly choices, and settling for what I thought I deserved. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 1 Corinthians 10.13 I was already experimenting with drugs and alcohol when I entered high school. I decided to dive deeper into this destructive lifestyle, which I viewed as exciting, different, and fun. The lies of the enemy had skewed my perception and led me to believe I was worth nothing, ultimately causing me to believe drugs and alcohol were the answer to all of my problems. At the age of 16, I was offered heroin for the first time and accepted. This substance was different than the other party drugs I was already using. It made me feel fearless and numbed my pain. I knew it was a very serious drug, but in desperation to find something to calm my soul and fill the void within, I began using it daily. I was completely blindsided by addiction. By the end of high school, I had a full-blown opiate addiction. I was lying to myself, saying that this habit was under control, but realistically, I was destroying relationships, dreams, and ultimately destroying myself because I didn't believe I was worth anything more than what I had become. After graduating, I had a very short stint of sobriety. I relapsed after a few months and finally decided to try the methadone maintenance program. For me personally, this was only a band-aid on top of a problem bigger and deeper than any human doctor could fix. I soon got involved with someone who also struggled with addiction. For about a year, I wasn't using any illegal substances, but still drank daily. When I was finally able to see the toxicity of this abusive relationship, 
It became too much for me to handle. I didn't know how to escape, so I turned back to drugs. I was soon introduced to crystal meth and fentanyl. When I got the courage to leave, I ran to my family for help, but they didn't believe me at the time because they didn't see the toxicity of this abusive relationship. I lost all hope, really, and surrendered to my life in active addiction. The enemy deceived me so completely that I believed all I was good at was doing and selling drugs. I was full of insecurities, shame, guilt, and fear. I literally couldn't function without having to use just to feel normal. Using wasn't just something I did, I was using to survive. I was completely blinded to how my actions were not only destroying me, but also my loved ones. Now I realize that this lifestyle never truly filled the void within me. The definition of the word chaos is complete and utter confusion, which is exactly what my life was. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Psalm 31, verse 7 to 8. One night um, in summer 2017, I got arrested yet again. On the morning of my bail hearing, I walked into the courtroom and saw my dad sitting there. I was shocked. Why would my parents come after all of the hurt and damage I had caused? After I was released, my dad told me that on the night I got arrested, the Lord woke him up and instructed him to pray for me. He obeyed, even without being aware of the situation I'd gotten myself into. I believe this was the Lord speaking to me through him. He was trying to tell me to slow down and that he cares about me no matter how much I strayed, but I didn't listen. A month later, my parents brought me to graduation for a student finishing her year at Teen Challenge. They were begging me to consider the program and getting the help that I so desperately needed, but I refused. With pending charges and a short time in jail, I said I would rather do those few months there instead of an entire year of treatment, but God had other plans. At the beginning of 2018, I found myself homeless again, and I phoned my parents. My dad called a friend who knew the lifestyle I was living and had been there himself. He said to me, if you continue this, you'll be dead in a few months. I just shrugged it off. Because as an addict, no matter how many times I faced death, I thought I was invincible and truly didn't care about what would happen to myself. My family then said, you need to get help or we can't help you any longer. I was tired of continuously letting them down. I decided I would try to make them happy and go along with what they wanted for a short time. God had already reserved me a spot at Teen Challenge. I was accepted and walked through the doors of Teen Challenge within a month of applying on February 20th, 2018. I had the intention of only staying for a short time. I used to struggle to make it through a day, an hour, and even a minute with wanting to die. But since being in the program, my eyes are being opened daily to how much Jesus loves me. I still have struggles, but I'm learning to lean on Christ to guide and carry me through each struggle that I face. Since surrendering to the Lord and his plans for my life, he is showing me that I am a loved, cherished, and valuable daughter of the Most High King. He is also continuously showing me his goodness through big and small victories. I tested positive for hepatitis C due to intravenous drug use and active addiction, but since being in the program, I've learned that he has completely healed me. Praise the Lord. God truly intervened in my life. Every time I hit rock bottom, the floor fell out and my rock bottom fell deeper and deeper. Just as the floor was falling up for the last time, he picked me up and saved my life. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are no longer under the law, but under grace. Romans 6.14. Thank you.
life change is amazing. And uh, you could take Raylene's picture home today and or Summer. And Jenna cannot be sponsored anymore. She irritated us so bad we have to get rid of her. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a contagious laugh, but she'll be graduating soon. And... uh, (laughs) And it about kills me when they graduate <clears throat> because you fall in love with every one of them. They're all my daughters. And I get to travel with them a lot, my wife and I. But if you saw what they look like when they come through the door, you wonder, God, is there any hope for this person? Will they ever make it? <laughs> because they're standing before you today not looking like the way they came in. And... Um, needle tracks and all that kind of stuff up and down their arms and wherever else they put them. And watching Jesus, whom this Bible says is a miraculous healing person, this Bible is true. I want you to know that. In fact, Summer, come on over here with you, sweetie. <clears throat> ah, she's as bad as me for ball. <laughs> I cry all the time. <laughs> Why, why are you a Teen Challenge? I mean, how, how, you're only young. How old are you? I'm, I'm 19 years old, um, and I came into the Teen Challenge program because I had a really big drug addiction to crystal meth. And um, my life was just going more and more down. I was beginning to not have any contact with my family. I was um, homeless, and I just didn't know what to do, and I started trying to do other drugs, and it just got really bad, so... What, what has been happening to you since you came into the program? Um, I got my weight back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, that's really hard, okay. <laughs> um, well, I'm very healthy now, and I'm learning to love myself, and I'm actually getting to know God more than I ever ever have in my life. So. Mm. Now, you've also got another little life that's in your life. Yes. How's he doing? He's amazing. I have a seven, almost seven-month-old um, son, and he's he's so happy, and he's very healthy. I'm, I was really surprised because I was using while I was pregnant, so, I mean, I thought he was going to turn out really bad, but he turned out really to term and very healthy, and they said there was nothing wrong with him, so mm-hmm. praise the Lord. She's, she's sponsorable. Not just, just <laughs> not just responsible, but she's sponsorable. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. And um, if you decided today to sponsor her, not only is the $40 a month absolutely necessary, if I was to tell you all the costs that we have, you, you'd boggle your mind, so I'm not even going to go down that road. But the truth of it is this, is that a life changed is a life saved. You're getting that? And what happens with all of this stuff, it's not just about, you know, $40 a month, but also it's the opportunity to write a note. If God, you know, because what you can do, you can take that picture, put it on your fridge door with a little, you know, magnetic thing to hold it there. And every day you can pray for Raylene. You can pray for for uh, Summer as well. And, uh, and maybe God would put a word on your heart 
to send her a note or a scripture verse or something that the Lord may have spoken to you. We've had women and men that were going to leave the program and the very day that they were planning on making their escape, they got a letter in the mail from a sponsor. Told them how much they were loved. Gave them a word. And they never left. And some of those people right now are in Bible college studying for the ministry or back in productive jobs serving Jesus Christ in the community. 15% of all the employees at Teen Challenge now are former graduates, former drug addicts. They're graduates who now work for us running the ministry. That's what our God is able to do. Amen? Um, Davida, coming to get you. I, I warned them a little bit because I don't always do this in every church, but and I don't always have this many girls because usually there's two or maybe three at the most. But would you come on over here? Um, I want, I want to just just tell us why why you're why you're here, Teen Challenge. Um, I could not do anything on my own anymore. I grew up my whole life trying to um, go the opposite direction of the church because that's how I was brought up, and just to do everything on my own and. I kept trying to do that until it almost killed me and realized that the one thing that I had my whole life um, that I had been running from was the answer. And I'm back now trying to reestablish my relationship with God. Um, How many teenagers are in the room? Just wave at me. You're a teenager. Not you, Mark. Just the rest. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say to all these Teenagers, now get, get this, you guys and gals. You don't have to have this kind of an activity go on in your life in order to have some kind of a testimony. The greatest testimonies, I believe, are this, that when you came to Christ in your childhood years or whatever, you walked with Him all the way through, didn't have to get involved in all this mess, and some of the best preachers in the world never knew what it was to smoke a cigarette, taste a drop of liquor or anything else. Just be right with God. Just get right with God. Because you don't need this stuff. Now, I heard about you before I ever met you. I didn't even know it was you until I was going down the road with you one day when you were coming to an outreach with us just to be a support at the table. But my former youth pastor, when I was pastoring in Kitchener years ago, now is the pastor of one of the churches in Alliston, and he phoned me one day, just kind of in a panic, trying to twist my arm to get her into teen I said, Daryl, there is no twisting of the arm. There's no entrance into this program that we can bypass the rules that get people in there. We've been doing this for too long. You can't circumvent this thing. It's got to be done right or it won't last. But he was so upset. He said, Norm, you don't understand. She will die. He said, this girl is on a downward spiral. And he said, I can't do anything for her. He said, we're praying for her, but she has been so close to death's door. And here she is today. Because Jesus kept her. And now she's being changed day by day. Paul said, we're being saved. Though Unto us who are being saved. This is not just a one-time little gig, you know. It's a daily walk with the Lord. And we're so proud of you. Hug me.
They call me Papa Norm. It's because I'm old. <laughs> but I'm also father of three daughters, three granddaughters, and three grandsons. And I'm happy to say that all my kids serve the Lord. And all my grandchildren have accepted the Lord. I don't want them to be like I was. Brought up in a dysfunctional mess. Lost. Bow your heads with me, would you please? There's some of you in this room, and I want you to know this, this is not being said out of any kind of judgment or condemnation. That is not it at all. It's just out of a love thing. But some of you are in this room are struggling. And you've been reluctant to share with anybody. And I get that. But I want to pray a little prayer for those of you who are going through some stuff. And, and it's just going to be simple. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to walk to the front. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But this is between you and me and Jesus, just the three of us. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want anybody looking around. But you may be having the struggle of your life and saying, Norm, I came into this church today. You know, I got the smile. But inside, things are not going so good. And I just need the Lord to touch me today, to renew some things that may have gotten astray a little bit. And the only thing I'm going to ask you to do, if you want to be included in that prayer, just lift your hand up and let it down again. Say, just include me in that enormous bell. Yes, I see. And let it down. Somebody else. Yes, I see. Others. Yes. Yes, you can let it down. Thank you. Somebody else. I don't want to, this is hard to do. I'm not asking you to do something easy here. Just something that's right. Is there, is there another one that would join these folks? Father, you know who we are. Lord, you know our address. There's nothing hidden from you. And Lord Jesus, you see those who are struggling today. And only you, Lord, know what that's about. But Lord, you haven't come in judgment. You haven't come in condemnation. But Lord, you've come to forgive us of all of our sins. Lord, and all the things, oh God, that even, Lord, some of us that know you and maybe have walked with you a long time, I don't know. But Lord, there's struggles that come and the enemy tries to hinder Father, we say in Jesus' name, everything that the enemy has tried to put on you to snare you with, let it be broken now in Jesus' name.